Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor in the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Red Circle, and the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit like, subscribe, and turn the notifications on. Also, check us out on Off the Floor. That's our new Discord server. We've got nine different channels there. I can tell you I got back from the game last night at about 2 a.m., and everybody was still going back and forth on Discord. This is where you can talk heat and nothing else if you choose. You don't have to be on Twitter to check out the rest of the stuff, but you also get host updates from us. You can also talk about other NBA games. We've got a channel for uh, fantasy and gambling. We've got a channel for esports, music, and culture. Promo deals are on there as well. $2.99 per month. We tell you it's a good deal. And you can check out the link right here on the podcast feed description as well as the YouTube description and the top of the Five Reasons Twitter page. Also, a shout-out to our great sponsors, including the sh- the sponsor of this episode, You Break Wheel Fix. That's with the U, our friend Mark Delacruz. He runs Miami's premier wheel d- repair and refinishing company, 20 years of experience repairing and refinishing damaged wheels from curb rash bends and cracks. Juice up your car with a fresh look with custom pounding, custom powder-coated colors to set you apart from the rest. You Break Wheel Fix, located in North Miami off of Biscayne and Northeast. 143rd Street. Fast turnaround times minimize your car's downtime. Catch you break. That's with you. You break wheel fix on all social media platforms or contact Mark at 305-748-0112. That's 305-748-0112. And now today's episode. Down to this game. Yeah, uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where is the thing? You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's probably have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I'm Ethan Skolnick. You can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick and at Five Reasons Sports. I got Greg Sylvander. You can follow him at Greg Sylvander. And as we mentioned, sign up for Off the Floor. Best thing that you can do today related to to the Miami Heat. All right, Greg and I are going to dive into the Kyle Lowry situation, and we will do a little bit of projection in terms of where this could go. That's going to be in the second half of this episode. But I think it's important at this stage, after what happened last night, of course, Udonis has a night, which was tremendous. We could do 10 full episodes on that, and maybe at some point uh, we'll even have UD on the pod to talk about it and everything that uh, he experienced last night. The Heat do a great job on that kind of stuff, uh, as well as any organization uh, in sports and, and great touches with the, the chairs uh, dedicated to to his parents. Just everything they did last night was great. It was great to see Dragic. It was great to see Wade there. It was great to see Quentin Richardson there, who uh, had one year in Miami, or Darrell Wright coming back, or any of the others who came back for this, Shane Battier, et cetera. Uh, it, was, it was perfect uh, for UD, except for the result. 
the results of the game, <laughs> which I know he was probably pissed about when he left. And, you know, that's that's the thing. I mean, he bleeds this stuff like you do. And, you know, a 109 to 108 loss at home to an Atlanta team that has been struggling as it is and was without Trey Young is just not acceptable. And we can get into all the reasons why that happened. But the storyline became, as it's become a lot of times, Kyle Lowry. And so we want to get into the Lowry part of this. And we're going to try to do it fairly. But we want to give you as much backstory as we can. So we will get into kind of where things stood before last night, what actually happened last night as we're speaking here, and then again, where we're going to go here. And we will do a separate episode on DeJounte Murray that's just dedicated to him. So we're going to bring in the the big strategy guns for that, uh, Brady and Alex, to talk about what the fit might be there. But, Greg, let's start here with with Kyle. Let's go back to the very beginning, okay? The Heat pursued Kyle Lowry, like not once, but many times. They pursued him in 2014 Mm -hmm. before LeBron left. Like they were trying to get Kyle to come here. And Kyle, who, if you remember the beginning of his career, he didn't fit in in some places. Houston, Memphis, et cetera, didn't really find uh, consistency. He put up big numbers in some of those places. Uh, he was a starter for a period of time. At times, he played with other real high-end point guards in those places. But it was Toronto that Kyle found his fit, right? So it's not like he found his fit from the very beginning, even as a first-round pick out of Villanova. It, it took a couple places. You know, again, Houston, et cetera, Memphis, whatever. And then he gets to uh, Toronto, and they embraced him. And he embraced them. And he became the face of their franchise. Like you can talk about DeRozan and his friendship with DeRozan or obviously what Kawhi brought when Kawhi came in and got them over the top. But Kyle was the favorite. And and I'll, I'll go back to this, okay? I, I had great respect for Kyle for a lot of reasons, but particularly because of the 2016 playoff series against Miami, where if you remember, he struggled badly in that series. Mm-hmm. He couldn't shoot at all, right? He made the half-court shot and all the rest of that. That was later in the series. He couldn't shoot at all. And I remember going out to the Toronto practice facility, which was, I think, a little bit outside the city, and all the Canadian media seemed to have a relationship with him. Like, And they were all sitting there waiting for him to talk, and I gave him tremendous credit. I, I wrote a column about it. I forgot who I was even working for at the time. Oh, at the Herald about how accountable he was. He sat there for 12 minutes, took every question, blamed it on himself, the the definition of a leader, and they won that series, of course. And we we can argue whether he would have won that series if Whiteside had been healthy, if Bosch had been playing, and I believe firmly if they'd won that series that they would have pushed Cleveland in the next round in the Eastern Conference Finals because they pushed the Cavs all year. Uh, even with LeBron on the other side. But Lowry persevered, okay? And again, I thought handled himself in a tremendous way. That was after Miami pursued him two years earlier. Then Miami was linked to him many times after, right? And then was linked to him one more time, didn't get him at the trade deadline, and that's when they ended up bringing in Oladipo. They had Lowry kind of at the forefront, Everybody knew he was Jimmy's closest friend or one of his closest friends in the league. 
They didn't get him. They pivoted at the last second to Oladipo, right? Got Oladipo with like seven minutes left before the trade deadline from Houston. We all know how that turned out, but, you know, we understand why they did it. They traded Olenek, et cetera. They took a flyer on Vic, and obviously Vic ran into a bunch of bad circumstances even after he came. They tried to get Kyle then. And then the next offseason, they went after him again. So this is not like the Heat didn't know the kind of person or player that they were getting. Now, they knew he's a declining player because that year in Tampa, when Toronto was playing in Tampa, he didn't play very well. But we kind of said, okay, well, they were not playing at home. There were a lot of different factors that went into that season, COVID, et cetera. The Raptors were in a strange deal. They went after him again. And they weren't the only team going after him. Like, this is the thing, like, when people talk about the white side decision, right, going back to 2016, other teams wanted Hassan. Portland made him a max offer. Other teams made him max offers. Miami had to decide, do you want to keep the asset or not? In this case, they had to decide, did they want to pay him what he was asking for and give him the third year? And the major reason they had to do that was because New Orleans, David Griffin in charge there, was right there. There were other teams. We talked about Philly. There were other teams that were in the mix. But New Orleans was right there. And so Miami bit its tongue. Okay, we're not bit its tongue. <laughs> you know the expression I'm looking for. They gave him the third year. They knew when they gave it to him that it could look like this. They knew. I've talked to them at the time. I talked to them afterwards. They knew that he was, again, a declining player. His defense had come down a little bit. And he also could be a little bit problematic if things didn't go his way. And they weren't exactly sure how he would handle going to a new culture after he had been the toast of Toronto and helped them win a championship in 2019, right? I mean, they're building statues to him up there like they do to Dwayne down here. So they knew this could be a problem. But I don't think, and I'll go to you here, and then we'll go into what happened last night. I don't think they would. They thought it would be this big a problem. No. They don't think they thought he would decline to quite this stage and not have the self-awareness to realize how much he's declined. And so I think that's where we're at right now is an organization that kind of knew what it was getting into, but kind of thought it wouldn't still be an issue because he might not even still be here at this stage. Is that a fair way to look at it? It is, but I think there's even more to it. I think that there's a part of it that um, they maybe thought they would have already got one. And that like the peak of the Kyle Lowry experience had came and gone. And if you had gotten it done in the finals or in the Eastern conference finals the year before, had they hit that shot and gone to the finals, you never know what happens. Like, I think that that's what you, you think through. I don't fault them for going after Kyle Lowry. I mean, let's be honest. That's Jimmy Butler's best friend. Jimmy Butler wanted him here. That's your superstar player. You're building a new team around him as you convinced him to join Miami when you had no cap space and so if Jimmy Butler's going to nudge you in a direction, I think you're going to take that nudge seriously. And they did. And and Kyle fit initially. It seemed like he was kind of what they were missing that first year when Jimmy was almost cast as a point guard. And um, then it's, I guess, what's gotten weird, and we're going to talk about kind of what unfolded last night, because I think a lot of people, if they watched the game and didn't understand this context on social media, would be like, why the hell are y'all bringing up Kyle Lowry? There's so much other stuff that happened last night. Um, but it's like a situation where when you see the way that he responds to certain things and it's been this way since he arrived, I just think it's a weird vibe that's been, that I didn't expect. I thought that there'd be more of a buy-in, even if some of it is just for the cameras, 
it, there's just been a resistance to the entire experience that I didn't expect from anyone that would be signing here. And kind of, I, I thought that they knew what they were getting in Kyle, but Kyle also knew what he was getting into in arriving in Miami. And so that's why it's just been a little bit um, underwhelming of an experience between the two, because I guess I just would have thought you would have figured both parties would have understood where they were uh, at this juncture a little bit more. And, um, and it just hasn't ironed out that way. I'm glad you brought that up because I can tell you that people who are supporters of Kyle, who were very much in favor of the move, I'm not talking about inside the organization, but those who know Kyle, Okay, they've been surprised that he hasn't embraced it more. So it's not just your perception from the outside. I was having a conversation with somebody about this yesterday um, after we kind of found out what was really going on, which, again, I'll get into that uh, in the next segment of this show. They don't know why he came down and didn't seem to want anything to do with anything because that was not the case in Toronto. And, uh, you know, I started thinking about this even before yesterday when I saw a quote from Dwayne. And I don't even know where this aired because Dwayne's done a lot of stuff over the past week, and obviously he's been in town. But I've always said that I've compared Kyle in Miami to Dwayne in Chicago and Cleveland. Okay, Like you are so beloved in one place. you are Everybody knows you. Uh, you know, you've made your mark there. That's – you know, in the NBA, you don't go into the Hall of Fame with a certain team. It's not like baseball. But – you kind of do like that. They're you know they're, you're associated with a certain team, right? And Dwayne was like he was like in a wilderness period in Chicago and Cleveland. And he actually I saw a quote from him. I've never heard him actually say this, but he said in Cleveland he doesn't even remember most of it. Like he wasn't even there. He's like I wasn't. You know what I'm saying? And when I talk to those, you know, I, people know I'm close with Vinny Goodwill, who covers the uh, who's who, who covers the NBA brilliantly for Yahoo. But uh, at the time when Dwayne went up to Chicago. I talked to Vinny because he 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 was hey, he's like what's what's Dwayne like and I I was like he's like this he's like you know I said I you know I've dealt with Dwayne since his first summer league game <laughs> two thousand three like I you know I don't say I'm Dwayne's best friend but I know I know how Dwayne operates I know what pisses him off I know what kind of things he'll talk about what he won't and it was funny because Vinny developed a relationship with Dwayne in part I think because I I had sort of told Dwayne that Vinny was one of the ones up there that he should talk to uh but but also they, they just developed a little bit of bond but he said yeah he's not like the way you said he was in miami he's not like that here with others mm. okay and and i think then he goes to cleveland and you know he's with lebron and he has that experience with lebron where that was not the same as here and lebron basically was fine with him leaving okay right which i think is where jimmy is with kyle right now at this stage by the way i think there's another similarity because Dwayne wasn't happy. And here, Kyle doesn't seem happy. And if you're a guy's friend, you want the guy to be happy, okay? But you also want to win. LeBron wants to win. LeBron, they made those changes in that season. They ended up making changes that paid off for them, if you remember. Yeah. They brought in a whole bunch of different guys. They shuffled the deck that year. And here we are, right? Jimmy wants to win. And so this idea that he would stop a Kyle Lowry trade I don't buy that at all. And you look at last year where he got up on the podium and people asked me about this last night and he said, Kyle's not going anywhere. Everybody took that for Jimmy's going to stomp if Kyle leaves. No, he won't. 
No, he won't. I can, I can absolutely tell you 100% that that is not the case. Again, he's Kyle's friends first before he's his teammate. He was his friend long before he became his teammate. And so I don't think he would stand in the way. In fact, I know that, okay? Because I know that, that some of those who've been surprised about the way Kyle has handled things here have been those who know Jimmy very well. And I, and I think that, you know, it, it's one thing to have – Someone said this to me last night, too, and this is a common phrase you use throughout the NBA, but it's used differently. Kyle Korver uh, said to me in a locker room once, he was talking about, I forgot he was talking about, but he was playing with the Hawks, and Kyle has now you know, gone into management, very smart guy. And Kyle said, you can have one knucklehead on a team, you can't have two. You can't give him a buddy. And somebody said to me last night, use almost the exact same phrasing when it came to Kyle, but not about knucklehead. Kyle's not a knucklehead. But you, you can have one problem player, one difficult player, but yeah, you, can't can have, right, you can't have two. Jimmy's not a malcontent, but everybody, even his closest friends, acknowledge he's difficult. You, you, he can go either way depending on the day. Uh, and he'd have learned to manage that situation. You understand? They've, but when you have a second, okay – and the second is not producing at the level to make it worthwhile. Okay? Like with Jimmy, with anything. And he should. Because he's delivered. What they've paid him to do, he has delivered. He has dragged them to the finals twice, to the Eastern Conference finals three times. He's going to sit some games. He's going to go do a press conference with his shirt off. Okay, so, But he has done – look, he, he infuriates certain people inside the organization at times. But they will deal with it because he's he's held up his end of the bargain. Like, Udonis Haslam loves that dude. Like, we talk about UD. Like, he views Jimmy as the ultimate in heat culture, even though he's a pain in the effing ass, right? Okay? But Kyle hasn't earned any of that here. And nope. so now you have a situation where you've got, you know, one guy who you'll deal with it, but the other guy, okay. And so – now you get to again the very beginning of this. And I don't I look, I don't care about the media stuff anymore. Some are gonna want to deal with us and some aren't. Am I surprised that Kyle came down and wanted nothing to do with the local media? Yes. Because that's not what I was told in Toronto. But again, Dwayne went to Chicago and Cleveland, and I heard that from some up there. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised. But it's the other stuff. It's you talking well, I remember at, at training camp or at, at media day last year where you know, Pat says, you know, the thing about conditioning and most players here would have said, okay, I get it. And I because what Kyle did get in better shape this year. He did. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But it's like, he wanted to fight just for the sake of fighting it. Like Correct. I'm not going to go along with it. So you start to add this stuff up and you're like, okay, he doesn't, he doesn't want really anything to do with the media stuff. I know there's been some, I don't want to get into specifics of it, but uh, there's been some situations where he hasn't gone with the rest. Of, he hasn't done some things that the rest of the team has done at times. I'm not. I, I I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. And so there's there's a combination of these factors, and again, you can put up with it if he's playing at a high level. But before I get to last night, and we'll do two breaks here because I feel like this episode is worth it. All right. Before I get to the, the, last night. Starting point guards, points per game. I was doing this last night during the game, okay, on scratch paper. Brady, Brady and Gad were making fun of me. This is how I still do things. So I went back in heat history, and look, it's not all about points per game, okay? Impact can be judged in other ways. If you're performing at a high enough level in other ways, defensively, uh, or you know, setting guys up, setting the tone, 
and you can look past some of this. But I went back through all the starting point guards in Heat history. Kyle right now is averaging 8.4 points a game. He's not doing it in a small number of minutes. He's doing it in almost 29 minutes a night. Okay? He's playing, what, 60, 60 to 70% of every game. Yeah. The only times in Heat history that the starting point guard has averaged single digits. Okay, I'm talking about the primary starting point guard for the team. You have to go to you, uh, Brian Shaw in 93-94. But Steve Smith and him were kind of co-point co guards. It's hard to really say who was the point guard. But let's give it – let's just – because Steve Smith never averaged single digits with the Heat. So – except when he came back that one year. All right. Let's say it's Brian Shaw. Nine points per game. Then you've got a few that are averaged like 10. Like there's a couple Bimbo Coles years in there. 10.0, 10.1. They weren't paying Bimbo Coles on a commensurate a portion of payroll what they're paying Kyle yeah. Lowry. And that's pre-Riley. Right. Travis Best, 8.4 points in that weird season of 2002-2003, Karan's rookie year, before Dwayne came in. All right. During the Shaq years, Damon Jones, they literally got off the street. I mean, he played in nine different cities, okay? He averaged 11.6 points. They weren't paying him anything. That's the reason he left. He left that offseason because he asked for a long-term contract, and they were kind of like, okay, hit the road, right? And they went out and got Jay Will. Who averaged 10.9, by the way, in his first season. Okay, there's a ten, there's an 8.8 .8 season for Jay Will, 07-08. That was a disaster season, right? That's when you, you can't even judge anything. We all we all blacked out during that season. We don't remember it. Correct. All right, so Rio, as a rookie, Mario Chalmers. They were four point guards from Heat history in the in the building yesterday. It was great to see Rio joking around with Goron, okay? Uh, and, and, and you had, uh, obviously, Timmy, right? And, and Jay Will was there. Jay Will averaged 8.8 .8 points in 07-08. Rio averaged 10 points in 08-09. So all the way up through the year 2009-2010, no point guard who has started the majority of the games for Miami Heat has averaged fewer points than Kyle Lowry is averaging this season. 2009-2010, they had three different point guards. Uh, Arroyo averaged 6.1, Rio averaged 7.1, and Rafer Alston averaged 6.6 .6 before he disappeared. Okay? So, point guard by committee. All right? Then you go to the big three era, and that first year we know was a point guard disaster. Right? That was the, that was where Levitard went on the show. It was like... It's, run the point it, night. Run the point night. Right? Those guys are putting up numbers similar to what Kyle is. Um... That was Arroyo at 5.6 points per game in 42 starts. Rio, who should have been starting the whole season, I will always hold to that, 6.4 points. And Bibby at 7.3. Do you remember what a disaster Mike Bibby was? Mm -hmm. I do. Okay, not from an efficiency standpoint, because Bibby was much worse. But from the other standpoints, there hasn't been that much difference from that Mike Bibby and this Kyle Lowry. 2011-2012, Rio averaged 9.8, 12-13, 8.6. Again, a little bit of context there. He was playing with LeBron and Dwayne. Like, his role was not that. Now, you can say yeah. that Kyle's is not that necessarily either. That's fair. But when Rio had an open shot, he took it. He took it. So the oh, offense and didn't And the team up. needs what it needs. You know what I mean? Like, right. that, that's an important part of this, too. 
Yes. And then 13, 14, real average 9.8. And then the Dragic years, okay, where we're not even getting, we're not even sniffing single digits at that point, right? So when Kyle let yesterday, we'll go to break and we'll get back to this, says that he wants to continue to start, or, plans, or he's hoping to continue to start, to continue doing what he's been doing this year as a starter. I have my little sheet here, and I'm like, is that enough? It's not enough. And that's kind of where they're at. But I want to get into more specifics of what happened last night. So we'll do that here after the break. First, we want to talk about our friends, excuse me, at Water Cleanup in Florida. You can find them at WCUFL.com. WCUFL.com, Michael, Robert, and his team. They're based in Boca Raton. They service the entire Tri-County area. Um, your one-stop water and mold cleanup shop. The leak detection. That's what they told me that you should focus on the most because once you get a leak, then you got problems. They can come over and they can do all that preventative work for you. So get in their preventative program. We just had a couple more people sign up for them. We can tell you everybody we've sent to them has said good people, honest people. If they can't do the job, they won't try to do it. We know a lot of contractors are not that way. Reach out to these folks. Again, they can service. If you're in Miami, you're in Broward, you can, they can service your, your house or business as well. So reach out to them. Water cleanup of Florida, WCUFL.com. Mention five reasons. If you've got the schmutz, they got the guts. All right. So let's get to last night. All right. I acknowledge I arrived late myself. Okay. Not for the game. But later, I had to I had to drop my daughter off uh, all the way up in Boca Raton and then cycle back down to Miami before tip-off. So I got there about 7.15 for an 8 o'clock start. I'm typically there two that's, and a half hours before the game. Okay? That's why Brady and but, Gad started. That's right. Well, actually, Gad got there after me. Gad, Gad had the Alex role where he got there right, right around tip-off. We're like, is Alex here? And then sometimes he's in the seat, sometimes he's downstairs or whatever. I know he's not in the media room eating because Brady and Alex are both too bougie to, to eat in the uh, in the media room like I do. But I, I'll just say this. I, I was not there as early as usual, but I wasn't late. Okay. Um, I will tell you, there are five people who have been around the team a long time in a reporting capacity. I'm, I'm actually going to say six because I, I include Brendan Tobin in that now as well because he's there he's there all the time on the radio side, okay? Uh, but there's five of us who've been around the organization for some length of time working for, you know, publications and all the rest. And again, I always appreciate the access because, you know, we're the least experienced outlet of all of these. So I appreciate that the Heat have continued to credential uh, even as I've moved on to my own enterprise here. Um and I can tell you that of those five who don't work for the team, because there are others who know things, but kind of do some work for the team. So I'm not going to include them in this, but I can tell you that they knew last night too. Okay. Uh, of the five of us, I know for a fact that at least four of us knew that what happened with Kyle and not starting was a one day disciplinary thing. Okay. I mean, like, four of the five of us, because the point that we were discussing it before and during the game, like how we were going to handle this, okay? And I can tell you that the thing was not big deal. The way that it was put to me, it was not a big deal. Like, it, it happens on a team, okay? I don't understand why the Heat handled it the way they did after the game. I, and I don't understand why Kyle handled it the way, because 
uh, to me, if it's a one day, if it's a one day disciplinary thing, which is a common thing for various NBA teams, it was made into more by not just acknowledging that. And so what ends up happening is Spolster is asked about the situation and doesn't say anything about that, or at least doesn't speak to it. Because Ira asked, I'll just say, Ira asked the question, he used the word disciplinary in a question that he asked. So obviously he was one of the four people that, <laughs> that knew. I, mean, I, I didn't even know he knew until after the game. I knew, I knew two others knew. Um, and so, and, and, and Spolster, I, I guess in the answer, and I've listened to the answer a couple of times, he, he pushes aside the whole disciplinary aspect of it. So it makes it look like it's more of a kind of exploring a starting lineup change, right? And then Barry and I were in the locker room and we approached and I'll give Barry the credit. He had the, you know, it, you know, the whatevers to ask Kyle the first question on this. And I've posted that on social media, the answer. And in the answer, Kyle essentially says – it does not acknowledge any kind of disciplinary thing, but says that he, he you know, expects – you know, that Spoh wanted to look at something different. That was a quote, but that he hopes – okay, I don't even know – no, hopes is the word he used, but, you know, to be back in the starting lineup in the next game. And that set Twitter on fire because everybody's like, well, what is – you know, Kyle made this kind of – I don't want to say demand, but express his expectation in training camp, right? Very first day that we got to FAU, he did speak to the media. He obviously wanted to get it off his chest and get it over with, and we were all called over to the side, and he said, I expect to be the starting point guard. And you know what? He won the starting point guard job in camp because there was no other starting point guard. It was hard to make an argument for anyone else, whether it was R.J. Hampton or Drew Smith or even Josh Richardson, who's my original contender for it, but they didn't see enough in camp from him to make make that switch. And it was easier just to go along with what I was told they weren't going to do two weeks prior to training camp. I was told we don't really think Kyle's going to be the starting point guard because we want to manage his minutes. It's for the best interest of him and the team throughout the season. And then he ends up being the starting point guard. And then everybody starts getting hurt and Jimmy's out and Tyler's out and Bam's out. And so Kyle ends up logging way more minutes than anybody thought he would or wanted him to, not just because it would be bad for the team, but because it would be bad for him. If they were going to be able to, to, if he's still going to be with the team, if he's going to get to the finish line with this team, right. And be productive in the playoffs when it really matters. So they gave it 41 games. And I mean, the numbers are the numbers. Like his efficiency from as a shooter is fine, but he doesn't shoot that much. And defensively, we know they have to cover up for him, particularly at the point of attack. So by Kyle, by then, by it not being addressed, what we heard it was, okay, it's now become something bigger. Yeah. In my view. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, because now it's, okay, now what do you do? So now it's, Kyle looked like he was petulant after the game, right? Like he comes up petulant, like that Spo wanted to look at something different, but I expect to get my starting job back. So now we're right back to training camp, except we're 41 games later and now 42, right? Bad luck. And there's enough of a sample size to know that this is not working, right? And now, uh, you know, on Twitter, he's getting flamed. And I don't really know how you walk out of this. I guess without what we're going to get to in the third part of this episode, because 
I guess it leaves the door open for them to not start him against Orlando. Yeah. Because if you if you don't say it was a one day disciplinary thing, but, but by the way, it's not like he didn't play at all. He played. Not only did he play, he played ahead of Duncan Robinson during stretches of the game that I actually thought they would have been better served with Duncan out there. And as soon as they took Kyle out and put Duncan back in, they went on a 7-0 run at the end of the game before they gave that up. Okay? But I guess it leaves the door open. And one of the reporters I was talking to last night says, well, I understand. First thing, they don't like to reveal what their team rules are. We know that. I've had 25-year history of that. So that's just that's just like the default position. But also, it leaves the door open now to not starting him on Sunday because you haven't said it was because of this other thing. Yeah. So it could be just, you know, to the fans, it just looks like, okay, it's we're evaluating the situation and we're taking a look at different combinations. Right. But now that's been blown up because Kyle has basically come out and said – that I expect to start correct so now they have a bigger issue than they would have had otherwise right am i wrong about that and i'm, no, I'm sure somebody will correct me i mean I, I you know from the you know front office or whatever and I'm, I'm happy to take that correction and listen to them as i always do i just i, I don't know it's like a mountain out of a molehill and we were all kind of, as reporters we were all kind of in the locker room yesterday be, you know, and I know what Barry and I were talking. We we're like, "Is this really how this is going to be be handled here? Like, this has become uh, I, I don't know." Yeah, I, it, to, it, to me, something stinks bad, like a like a dead fish that was left in the back seat of your car too long, and it's like um, a situation. I don't know where. Uh, where they go from this. Cause it's, it's one thing they could all come into against Orlando act like nothing happened. That's option a option B is, uh, start him again. And I think fans are starting to catch on to that. Like that's not working out. So like, let's be honest there. I think the team, we all know that that's not working out. I think there's some other things in the starting lineup that we could talk about too. So it's not just Kyle. I think that should be clear. Um, and then the other thing that that that's weird is um, they could start like, I guess, what do you do? Do you just keep him off the bench? Do you bring him back and and start him because he's going to be the same way he was in training camp and expect that spot? I feel like that they're in this weird position where they're walking on eggshells with a guy that doesn't deserve that equity in what's been built here specifically, maybe equity throughout the league, but here it's a little bit weirder. And then I start to come to this place where if you want to be a good um, teammate and a good uh, member of the organization, outstanding member of the organization in terms of, uh, buying into everything that's happening and and that kind of thing, but you're not producing. Okay. If you're going to be a little bit moody about it all, why would you not start to look for something else? Look for another move, look for a better situation with different players. Even if it's addition by subtraction to some degree, I just think that that's where we're heading. And um, I, I can't avoid that. We've landed in this place and i don't know where the org goes next like that that's the part of it that i think is weird is that does the team now come out and address these quote-unquote rumors or do they not speak about it at all i think we're we both probably would agree that they're not going to necessarily address it but 
it makes it feel like something just stinks around the entire situation. Well, we're talking about addition by subtraction, right? And this was the point where uh, that was actually supposed to be the case, but more from a financial perspective. Like that's, th as I said at the top of the show, they knew that the third year was going to be problematic. And that word was used with me in his first year. And that's even when he was producing. And I do want to give him credit. And I think we need to give him credit. There were pockets of time during the first and even the second year that he played a key role for them. Like, especially when that period of time where Bam was out, okay, and, and Kyle, I remember in the middle of that first season, he was huge in helping lead them to a number one seed. This is not a total disaster, okay? Like some have characterized it. It's not. But it's been trending this way for a long time. The organization kind of, again, knew they may end up in this place. And by the way, it's not just him. We talk about these situations. Tim Hardaway was you know, given a huge ovation yesterday, right, and has been totally embraced by the organization again. But Tim, by the end of his tenure, I covered it was not happy. They were not happy with him. He was frustrated by what he called the fat clause uh, in his contract. They also had the three-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio clause. He was not productive in his last year. They were phasing him out for Anthony Carter. Like, th th this is not the first. And you mentioned the other situations. So let's get to them. I mean, inside Hassan Whiteside, planning on him being a franchise player. That's why they paid him the max. And then it was like, okay, who's going to take this guy off our hands? And they did a masterful job executing that, not only doing it, but getting Jimmy Butler back in the process. I will never understand how they pulled that off, right? Uh, James Johnson, Dion, Dion Waiters is another example of this. Uh, and on a, on a lesser note, Justice Winslow's last year. Like, Justice was heat culture personified, right? Like, that's how he was portrayed his first couple of years. And then when they didn't necessarily agree, uh, the two sides, on the severity of an injury that he had, it was, you know, best for all parties to kind of part ways. And they proved to be right. And I, you know, I root for justice, but I, they've proved to be right about that. When they're done, they're done. Like, that's the thing. Like, they'll put up with a certain amount to a certain point, but when they're done, they're done. And I, I just, this has felt done for a while, but it's just that there were no other options. And I, I feel like if Gabe had been brought back, Mm -hmm. we'd be having a totally different conversation because Kyle did go to the bench for Gabe last year. Uh, and, you know, he did play a role in the playoffs off the bench and he was important in that role. But when you didn't have Gabe anymore, then yeah. now all of a sudden there's just no, I, I mean, it's Josh is not a point guard. I, I tried to push that agenda a little bit before training camp. Obviously he's not, he can't give you the exact same things that Gabe, Gabe's not really a point guard either, but he's more of one than Josh's. They, they, there's no other place to turn here. And so the only other place to turn, and, and I want to just at least introduce one more sponsor here, and then you and I will do this quickly because I want to get to this more in another episode. The other place to turn is to, to make, is, is to make a move. Um, you know, I, but to, to your other point, I don't think they'll address it. I just think it'll be interesting to see who starts on Sunday. Um, and, and I think, I think if he, if he starts on Sunday, then the fans are going to take it. And that's why I want to do this podcast. Like, oh, he got his way. Mm -hmm. But You're I right. don't think that's, I don't, but I don't think that's actually what happened here. You're right. I, I don't think he was, it was intended for him to come out of the starting lineup for more than one day. Cause again, there was another factor involved, which I'm telling you, unless I've been fed a bunch of BS about this, as have the other sort of experienced reporters around the team, the thing 
that led to this is not in the grand scheme of things a big deal. Trust me. I there things I've heard about, seen, uh, rumored, found out about ten years later that happened around the Miami Heat over the past twenty-five to thirty years. Nobody keeps things in house better than they do eventually though guys start to talk when they're not with the team anymore, okay, and they're with other teams. With, And I found out about numerous things that were a thousand times worse than what got Kyle, in my, from what I was told, what got Kyle benched last night. Yep. So I just, I think they should have just said it. I, honestly, that's Every team has the same rules, too, on this, yeah. right. you know what I mean? On this particular thing. Yeah, I, I it, it's just weird. It's just and and it just was on the night that you know you don't want to deal with it. But Brady had a, a with the Haslam stuff going on. But Brady had a great point, okay, which was going into my head before I kind of heard about what the reason you know was, which was that if you were going to make a change like this, you do it on enough that everybody's paying attention to forty going in the rafters, right? And we just hope you win the game, and nobody talks about it afterwards. And then they didn't win the game, and then not only was it talked about, but then made it worse. was addressed, made worse. That's that's how it looks to me. All right, I do want to mention Better Edge though? Go to betteredge.com, use the code five RSN or five reasons. This is peer to peer gambling, so you can play this legally in the state of Florida. But the good thing, and I know some have started using something else. Uh, the good thing is here you can find the line that you want. Like it's actually a marketplace. So you, if the Heat are plus two, but you're not feeling so good about it, uh, in the, even in that way you want to be plus five, you may not get the same payoff, but you can find that line there, which is one of the cool things about Better Edge. So go to betteredge.com, use the code five reasons or five RSN, and you'll get twenty dollars to play. All right, so let's do this quickly because I'm going to do a bigger uh, breakdown on this with Brady and or Alex. I mean, does this, in your view, compel you to trade him sooner? Like, if you're on the fence about including a draft pick with him to go get an upgrade, does this push you over the fence? Oh, my gosh, yes. We are here, folks. We have arrived at the place where I think it's just time to move on. I think that it's tough because Kyle has not been a bad player his entire tenure in Miami. So everyone should first understand that part of it. And also any of the team's current struggles are not all Kyle Lowry's fault. I just think that even if he was playing a good brand of basketball and the team was getting along great, you'd have to think about a $29.7 million expiring contract and what it could do for your roster building. And I've heard this, there's been this kind of like buzz of, well, they could go into the summer and they could let his contract expire. And then they would have the financial flexibility with which to spend the mid-level exception on a mid-level like player, mind you, and maybe keep Caleb Martin or Haywood Highsmith. And I just like ask, like, do we really want to spend on a mid-level point guard and Caleb Martin or Haywood Highsmith? instead of spending on an upgrade right now in another Jimmy Butler year? Like, are, is that really what we want to do? Are we high right now? Like, what, what are we doing there? Um, and so that's where I just think that we have to be careful with just saying kick the can, kick the can, kick the can, because we've arrived at a spot now where this is a five-year build and Jimmy is not getting any younger. I mean, we talked about the things that were in the first half of the year that we needed to see more of, and one of them is Jimmy Butler. We'll go get him more help. And so I, that's where I'm at. And I think that even if this stuff wasn't swirling, but unfortunately now, and it's almost self-induced swirling that's taking place, um, 
you you would need to look at Kyle's contract and say, what can I do with this expiring money? And if you take back a player with a longer term salary, so be it. If you sacrifice a draft pick, so be it. If you're going to be, you know, fifth in payroll next year instead of eighth, so be it. I think Jimmy Butler's proven that this is he's good enough to to give this a shot. They have not, with a trade, gone all in on this build, Ethan. So this is a moment where I feel like uh, Kyle Lowry's contract could be useful for that very reason. I'll say this if you go back in Heat history. When there's someone who doesn't seem to be conforming to the culture or doesn't want to or is just over it, which feels like is the case here, they always remove that issue. It doesn't happen right away always, but – Somehow, some way, Whiteside, Waiters, James Johnson, Brent Barry, just go go through the list. There's a long list uh, of these situations, and they don't stick with them that long. They just don't. I mean, even like I said, even Tim. I mean, look where Tim finished his last couple of years. That's a Hall of Famer that they brought back. Uh, not brought back to play, but it brought back, uh, you know, to, as part of sort of the, you know, celebrated in the organization. Uh, I, 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 my lean now is they're going to move the contract. I, I, that's, that's my lean coming out of last night. I, I just, I think that that's because I've had these conversations before and I don't think there's any reluctance upon, uh, the front office to do so. I don't, the, the guy who has been most supportive of Kyle Lowry, what I've always heard is the head coach and, you know, I understand what Eric appreciates about him. I do. And I understand having a natural point guard in this era and someone you do see, you see Kyle, I mean, again, at the very end of this, you see Kyle coaching up players on the bench. You do see that kind of stuff. I, I, I'm not, no one's suggesting he's a bad teammate in that way. And I want to make, I probably should have said that before the 45th minute. No one is, but there seems to be an understanding. Like I talked to Kevin Love last night, not about Kyle. Okay. And I just asked Kevin after the game about coming in the game maybe as an inbounds passer, right? Like, has he ever done that cold? Because we know Caleb did not make the best decision. He's an inbounds passer. He's not usually in that situation. And to be honest, if Kyle had been on the floor at that point, he probably, even though he doesn't have the height of some others, would have been the best choice to be the inbounds passer because he's done that over the course of his career and he's done it well. So I just asked Kevin because Kevin wasn't on the floor much and Kevin didn't play well last night. Okay. He's, he told me he was trying to get back in a rhythm. Have you ever done that? Cause I know that Spo did it with Shane a couple times. Like and Battier was in the building last night. So I guess this is why it stuck, stuck in my head. He did it with Mike Miller a couple times because Mike was good at that as well. And I said, has you ever done that? He says, no, he says, I don't think I've ever done that. He says, you know what he said? He says, but the way I played, I didn't deserve to be on the court. And when I posted that quote, I didn't intend it to be a contrast to the other thing that I posted, which was Barry's question to Kyle and Kyle's response. But, but it I is. I tell you that every fan took it that way. And that is because it, it's become obvious at this point that Kevin, who is a Hall of Fame level player himself, has bought in. He's just 100% bought in. And look, I covered Kevin in Cleveland, and I was not a huge fan of Kevin in Cleveland because remember the whole fit-in, fit-out thing from LeBron? Remember that? That was directed at Kevin, right? But Kevin is in a stage in his career and his life where he seems to understand what where he is, okay, and what this part of his career is supposed to be. 
and I'll just leave it there. All right. Thanks to our sponsors, Water Cleanup of Florida, WCUFL.com, Better Edge, use the code 5RSN, and our friends over at Ubreak, we'll fix. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Reason Sports Network. After all, someone needs to listen to my dad. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.